0: 184. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, we're in the thick of Isaiah still. And remember last time I was talking about these six woe oracles, right, that are in chapter 28 uh, to uh, 33. And basically, it's God giving these woes to different people groups that often include his people as well however in chapter 32 you have an interruption right and you only interrupt someone well you should only interrupt someone if you have something really important to say so in a similar way that you would interrupt somebody if you have something really important to say Isaiah interrupts himself in a sense with chapter 32 so he'll say this, indeed, a king will reign righteously and rulers will rule justly. Each will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the rain, like flowing streams in a dry land and the shade of a massive rock in an land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed and the ears of those who hear will listen. Now, remember the role of the kings in the nation of Israel at the time that Isaiah is prophesying. Right is to deal with justice and righteousness. They are to rule with justice and righteousness. Israel is a monarchy, right? Meaning the people of God God, are in one particular place, all under one particular king at one particular time, right? The only problem though, is if we remember first and second Kings, these cats was iffy right like they they were iffy they were unjust they were idol worshippers. they they married foreign wives right they did all these things that were displeasing to god so god in the midst of all of this is offering a breath of fresh air in the midst or in the sense of prophecy right that is a fulfilled in a righteous king who deals justly right and this king will be god's ideal man on the throne look at verse three and he says, yo, although Israel and Judah are unresponsive in many ways today in the 8th century BC, I'm pointing to a day when they will hear him, right? When they will turn to God's king, when they will respond in faith. And he goes on to talk about, man, it's so good because he goes on to talk about, man, what's going on in, this, in his day. And he contrasts that with this new society that will uh, come about because of this new king. Right. And he'll say, yo, like, man, man, this is our like our nation right now. Right. Isaiah is going to talk and he's like, man, our nation right now is in a terrible place. Right. Um, folks are complacent. Folks that had that have enough. Let the unfortunate uh, be disturbed by the growls of their own stomachs. Right. So those who have food don't give to those who don't and on and on and on and on. But a turning point comes in verse 15. So he says this. Oh, this is so good. He says, yo, until the spirit from on high is poured out on us. This is Isaiah talking, bro. Then the desert will become an orchard. Huh? And the orchard will seem like a forest. So in other words, ooh, in other words, until God sends his spirit to transform his people, there won't be the lasting change that Israel is ultimately looking for. Right. And this is a word for me and you guys. The lasting change that you and I are looking for only comes by way of God's change agent. It only comes by way of God's change. Agent. And that change agent is the Holy Spirit. And this is why, oh, this is why the book of Acts is so good, my G. That's why it's so key. Why? Because it's portraying for us not just a new society within society, but a spirit filled one. This new society that God creates, he creates the church, and the church is the spirit-filled people of God that are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? They are to be the body of Jesus on earth, right? And God uses that community that we see created in the book of Acts to bring about the salvation of every soul that is saved right now and has been saved after the first century AD, right? And then note the f- the fruitful language here. So he says, yo, the spirit is going to be poured out on high. The desert will become an orchard. The orchard will seem like a fort, right? It's going to be fruitful, right? And this is, yeah, echoing back to Genesis where he says, be fruitful, multiply, all of that good stuff. Fruits of the spirit. We think about that good stuff, you know. And um, he talks about peace, man. He talks about the peace that's going to come as well in this chapter. Um, and we see that, man. Peace is not the abs- it's not merely the absence of enemies attacking as uh, Israelites would have thought in this time, but it's the presence of God, right? It's the presence, it's not just the absence of problems, but it's the presence of the problem solver, right? And he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. So it's so good. Um and I love chapter 32. And then 33 comes and he starts his final woe. So this is the sixth woe, and he's gonna say, Man, whoa, you destroyer. Your- never destroy you traitor never betray when you have finished destroying you will be destroyed when you have finished betraying they will betray you so it's kind of poetic here and the prophets get very very poetic at times and sometimes that makes them difficult to understand but here what he's saying this is this he's talking to assyria now assyria once again was the nation that took israel into captivity and what god is saying is like no 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 Don't make (laughs) make no mistake about it. My G like y'all are going to get y'all turn as well. Y'all going to get a taste of your own medicine and you will not like it. Right. Isaiah, knowing the just character of God, cries out to him with a psalm esque appeal in verse two. And from there, he goes on and on asking the Lord to save those who wait on him. Right. He's like, yo, Lord, save your people who turn to you in light of what's coming to us save those who remain faithful in spite of this Assyrian invasion and what I love about what Isaiah does here is he's going to express deep confidence and deep faith in God right Um, so he'll say this the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high he has filled Zion with justice and righteousness and then he talks about the future he says there will be times of security for you a storehouse of salvation wisdom and knowledge the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure now That's remarkable confidence in Yahweh and his promises. Right. He's like, Lord, you are lifted up, Lord, you are just righteous. God, I know that in the future, even though we've been invaded by a foreign power who is desolating us, I know that there will be a storehouse of wisdom and salvation and of knowledge. Right. And he's like, yo. He says this. He says, man, listen, their warriors cry loudly in the streets talking about his people. The messages of peace weep bitterly. People are weeping. The highways are deserted. Travel has ceased. Folks ain't going out like they used to. An agreement has been broken. The covenant's been broken. Cities despised. human life disregarded. People are dying. The land mourns and withers. Lebanon is ashamed and wilted. Sharon is like a desert. Bashan and car- uh, Carmel shake off their leaves. What is Isaiah saying? He's saying this. Or what is the text trying to say to us through Isaiah? Isaiah expresses observations about reality, right? But that doesn't do away with his confidence in God, right? Listen, confidence and deep faith in God doesn't dumb down or ignore the sharp edges of reality. It just hopes in God in spite of them, right? It hopes in God in spite of them. And that's what Isaiah Is doing here and only a person listen only a person that has been infected by the goodness of god's power and the power of god's goodness can do such a thing and i love what he says in 17 he's like no 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 fam yo regardless of what it looks like regardless of the state of our nation i know for a fact That we will see the king in his beauty. And, man, that's that's why we do this podcast, bro. Like, we really want you to see the king in his beauty, regardless of what the world around you looks like. 34 and 35. So, in 34, um, basically, yeah, judgment, nations. God is going to judge these nations. And he's going to judge Edom. Uh, And, you know, he's saying, bro. They're set apart for destruction. That's one word in the Hebrew, set apart for destruction. It's the harem, and um, basically it's um, echoing back to what happened in Joshua. So we remember Joshua, uh, Israelites coming to the Promised Land, and they enforced the the harem or the ban um, on the people there that were turning against God and Edom, particularly here. Verse 8 tells us that they were paid, they will be paid back for their hostility against Zion. So in other words, Yahweh is going to pay them back, Edom, because of what they have done to his people. One of the best things about belonging to God is that God champions our cause even when other people don't. Right. God is going to champion our cause for all the the pain and suffering we've dealt with from the hand of enemies, but also from the hand of the enemy. God is going to champion our cause. and He is going to come and provide vengeance. Right. People don't mess with God's kids and get away with it. Right. That should be confidence for us. Isaiah 35. Beautiful chapter. And it caps off um, this. Uh, kind of section and talks about the ransomed of the Lord returning to Zion right that those that the Lord's Lord has redeemed saved purchased will return back home after exile and this once again will be understood again returning from exile in their time would be understood as salvation right um, we kind of think of it yeah personal Jesus came to my heart yeah I'm new and it's like <laughs> there's so many other ways and salvation is not less than that for sure but it's, it's so much more than that and um, he's going to talk about, you know, the wilderness and dry land will be glad. glad The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. And what he's saying is this. This salvation is literally cast in the book of Isaiah. And we'll see this more at the end of the book, towards the end of the book, as a second exodus. Right. That this is something that we will get into later. But he's saying, yo, man, this, uh, the wilderness, the same way uh, that Israel came out of Egypt will be transformed, right? Um, And the people of God uh, will blossom and they will rejoice uh, like a wildflower and they will actually see the glory of God, right? And what he gives us, though, are clues, right? He says, yo, how, how will we know? And essentially he's like, yo, how will we know, right, this salvation has come? And man in verse five and six he'll say yo the eyes of the blind will be open and the lame will leap like a deer right and it's so ironic that man jesus and uh talks about this in in, uh, matthew 11 when john the baptist is locked up he's hemmed up and they like he like fam man yo i'm hearing about this cat jesus and he's like yo man like i'm having doubts um you know are you the messiah (laughs) or should we be waiting on somebody else and jesus is like Somebody else, right? He's like, "Yo, go and report to John, what you hear and see." He's like, "The blind receive the sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news." And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. And so Jesus is going to say that, and basically what Christ is saying in that moment, he's echoing back to Isaiah 35, right? Um, he fulfilled every expectation that Isaiah had prophesied about here in this text and this text is going to go on and on and on and talk about even the way in Christ being the way the truth and the life and Christ talking about the narrow way that leads to life and the broad way that leads to destruction it's all there and Isaiah is getting at that stuff here and one of the things that I think Isaiah is also saying man is that um he's going to talk about this way and man the Christian life especially in scripture is often spoken of as a pilgrimage bro you think about Israel through the wilderness. You think about uh, the exiles returning home. Right? It's often spoken of as a pilgrimage, and through Him, Christ, we get to come home safely, ransomed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, uh, for the Son of Man to not come to serve, but to be served, and to give His life a ransom for many. Um, you know, bursting forth with joy. Uh, this is this is the this is the Christian life. And man, if you are listening to this today, and you have placed faith in Christ. Um, these verses include you. You have seen God's glory. John 1 will say we beheld Jesus' glory. Your blind eyes have been opened to see the beauty and splendor of the Messiah. In a sense, by faith, you see him, right? Even though you can't physically see him, right? You who were once spiritually incapacitated, right? You were lame, in a sense, uh, physically la- or spiritually lame. You've be- you've become able to serve him with your body and your gifts. Um, and even if it doesn't feel like it, Man, you are journeying toward a heavenly Zion with your brothers and sisters in the faith. And if you aren't a believer, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ and you're listening to this, man, this can be yours. All you got to do is trust Jesus. Let me pray. Father, I thank you uh, for the ways that you promised hope for your people in the midst of circumstances that we're trying. I pray that today you would continue to give us hope regardless of what the state of the world Dang, it's in Jesus' I not working.